Illuminati Podcast, episode 240. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Mike Martin, joined by the Vanessa and, oh fuck, what's her name? The Vanessa and, oh fuck, what's her name of LA? The Vanessa and, oh fuck, what's her name of LA? Jesse and Alex. How's it going, boys? I'm definitely the what's her name, for sure. I was going for a video game reference a pretty obscure rpg from the early 2000s a pc no. rpg in particular so obscure you couldn't remember it you couldn't remember what's her name what's her name yeah uh it's from it was well, from the vampire the masquerade bloodlines game it's the twins i don't understand you went rpg and you didn't pick the Aerith and tifa of l like what's going on with no you? I, why would i do that that's too that's too like people know that too well jesse's the tifa hell yeah i am that's less i think some people i think some people would be surprised to find that jesse is the tifa Jeans, Alex, you're the reason I cried for the first time at a video game. I'm just excited that so many people want to see me naked. That's <laughs> just... <laughs> you look great really in that happy. bathing suit. You look great in yeah. that bathing suit. I hear Thank this is you. the best Final Fantasy ever made. I, I, really have a, I really have high hopes for us. Yeah. I think I'm going to make it this time. <laughs> but in case you don't, you have the backup, which is our Patreon. Isn't that right? That's right. If you are so upset about <laughs> impending... That you just don't know what to do with all that money. If you don't know Dean's what to gotta, do with... Dean's got to censor that spoiler. What are you talking about? What is the... Se- what? Hey, Bruce Willis, the whole time. In Sixth Sense, he's the whole time. Yeah, but okay, but like... No, you got to no, do that one too. So many new fans are coming on with the remake, you know? Dean, cover it all. Dean, beep it all. Beep all this. Just have it be a, just have it be a huge beep. Just all of this talking. Three different beeps. No, nope, no. Nope. Dean, Doo-doo-doo. replace it with factoids. From the movie Dune. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Replace it with factoids about the Dune 2 popcorn bucket. Yeah. Things we learned about the Dune (laughs) 2 popcorn bucket. That's it. That's the winner. While we're talking about Dean, also shout out to Dean for the little country inspired uh, intro for last week. And I assume this week's country themed episodes. I want to say people on Reddit are like, who's the girl? Why is there a random girl? It's very funny. Who was the girl? You will never know. Just like a bot? I don't know. If you are not prepared for the impending Final Fantasy VII character, go to patreon.com slash pod and spend some of that tier money on our tiers. Get it? The pun came around. We're there. And what you get is not just more of these incredible jokes, but other great things. Other great things like ad-free episodes, episodes of our incredibly critically lauded podcast rotten popcorn in which we educate mathis on the finest films in the film canon one after the other i educate them in the finest films at the other end of the film canon spectrum one of them was literally maybe a bigfoot snuff film it was fucked up head over there check that out you get mel's absolutely mind-blastingly incredible art every single time it's great like you got to see this month's one i don't even want to spoil it just go go check it out i'm just excited to see it myself yeah patreon.com slash illuminati pod uh if you are playing final fantasy 7 rebirth and for whatever reason you are not feeling so great at the end or surprisingly great 
Maybe yours feeling surprisingly great. We don't know how it's, it's going to shake out. I'm excited to find out. It's like they took the same spoiler and used it again <laughs> somehow. How do they do that? How'd they do it? Luke's, Luke's, Luke just found out about his dad twice. Square just pulled the YouTuber influence Twitcher of reusing the same content in a different medium for more. Damn right. This is the ultimate spoiler warning. This is like the ultimate like tip of the hat to the people who really, really care about spoilers. Yeah. They're like, hey, watch this. We're doing it again. You're, <laughs> you're an asshole for spoiling this twice. <laughs> thank you for your support. I love we you. love you. Uh, you know, all jokes aside, thank you guys for helping us make this podcast. <laughs> it's really great. Patreon.com slash Pod. Boys, are you excited to go back to the Wild West today to wrap up the series on the legendary bandit queen, Belle Star? I'm shocked it's still going, but we learned a lot from last week, so I'm, I'm interested. I feel like she lived and died last week, she, right? She like, did, in fact. I thought we went through the whole story. I don't know what this week is, except for maybe talking about the Digimon. That's all I know. Well, we got to <laughs> open with that. I love our community, by the way. I cannot believe how spot on we were with that fucking bit. That is so fucking There funny. was like, yeah, there's a fucking Bellstar Digimon <laughs> that's just- She has her own anime. She has her own anime. That's right. It's like she's everywhere and somehow we didn't realize it. I I mean, probably because like wh- who, 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 like, why would you ever think, oh yeah, based on Bellstar, that infamous uh, Lady Thief outlaw. That's true. I, I mean, like, my mind was blown to learn that Black Bell was based on her last week. I was like, oh, shit. But you know what? Now that we've done this episode, we're part of anime history. Her memory is finally honored by us today when we unlock the anime cultural reference of Bell Star for all of if you. I'm a, are we, like, a part of anime officially or just, like, part of the history of anime? If we were part of anime officially, I think the three tropes of our characters. Mathis would be the guy who's like, whoa, no, Fujikama. Right, that'd be that guy. <laughs> Alex would be the dude who's like, I shouldn't be here. I was isekai into this crazy world, right? And then I'm the sexy old lady who's like, oh, that's me. You're like, you're like Misato from uh, Evangelion. That's your vibe. I'm more like the old, the uh, like the old man in Dragon Ball Z. I was literally gonna say, Jesse, you're way more of a Master Roshi Ma- Master than Roshi. you are of an old grandma. Yeah. It's he's kind of a combination of both if you think about it. Yeah, he's but like, like a sexy, young old like man. A sexy he's one. like a sexy young old lady. Yeah, like man. Ara, yeah. Ara, that's me. That's me. Sexy young old lady man, Jesse Cox. He's yep, a new cryptid. <laughs> Someone draw that and put it on our subreddit, please. <laughs> uh well, we're going into Bell Star Part Two. We're gonna talk about what today's about, but a big shout out to today's main source. Uh a book by the name of Bell Star and Her Times. I referenced this last week by uh, author Glenn Shirley. And let me just say, that's a great title. This author is a is a man after my own heart. This entire book is written with an annoyance, uh, a, a, a distaste, shall I say, for previous journalistic attempts. And the entire like four hundred page book has this like annoyed, sarcastic tone through the entire thing. And I fucking love I, it. I fucking yeah, I fucking love when that happens. That happens a lot in the JFK world, also. Yeah, it, sometimes it lands, sometimes it does not land. Like in the case of Governor Jesse Ventura, that did not land. <laughs> like, but uh, a hu- I love the vitriol. I love somebody who cares. Seriously, like uh, a huge shout out. Like the first thirty pages are dedicated to kind of tearing apart a lot of these people who were kind of uh, made a lot of fake news, basically even back then. But the last hundred and twenty pages are sources. This dude like spent years looking for like digging up newspapers and Receipts. old court records yeah. and all this stuff from the 1800s to piece together who bell star truly was because by the time he was writing this book 
she was already just like a huge legend in pop culture and stuff and was only getting bigger and bigger, which was around the 70s, 80s, this book came out. Um, so while last week, gentlemen, we kind of discovered uh, and talked about a notorious individual from the Wild West, a woman who against all odds of her times and her most unfortunate of sexes, grew to have fierce independence and command over her life from a young age, partially due to her high-end education at the time, thanks to her well-off father who owned land in a hotel, but also due to her growing up around Wild West bandits of legend like Jesse James after being forced to move from her home, uh, her home state out to Texas, where the Civil War basically forced her out there. And mind you, her family were Confederate loyalists. She would go on to marry at least four times, each time to someone who ran within the criminal rings of the era, a mastermind for each uh, of the, her husbands. She kind of became known as the brains behind the operations, behind multiple high-scale bank robberies, rat wagon robberies, cattle and horse theft, and even murder. This is amazing. Only to be taken by surprise in her early 40s by an unknown individual, even today, who placed two shotgun shells in her back where she would topple from her horse and die on that very road. And it is a hell of an engaging story. But it all stems from one very particular source. It started with a quote, and I am going to copy-paste. And Jesse, why don't you read this? This is coming from a newspaper released February 6th in 1889. Word has been received from Eufaula, Indian Territory, that Bell Star was killed there Sunday night. Bell was the wife of Cole Younger. Jim Starr, her second husband, was shot down by the side of Belle less than two years ago. Belle Starr was the most desperate woman that ever figured on the borders. She married Cole Younger directly after the war, but left him and joined a band of outlaws that operated in the Indian Territory. She has been arrested for murder and robbery a score of times, but always managed to escape. This is the coolest person that we have done an episode about period it's wild this two paragraph little snippet was uh the first piece of shall we say uh bell star lore that sparked so much to come over the next hundred or so years what's true about that post and what's not is heavily subject to debate as most of the rumors of bell's ex escapades prove to be precisely that rumors this newspaper post, sent to newspapers across the country in hopes of being bought, picked up, and printed, was ignored almost entirely by the country at large, save a very few, including the New York Times. This became front-page news on the New York Times. But this, and a couple of other uh, newspapers, being the only ones that picked it up, proved to be all that was needed for it to catch the attention of a man by the name of Richard Kyle Fox a quote-unquote, shall we say, journalist at the time. Why, why do you say it like that? Well, let's get to it. We need to talk about who this what, man is. What would make you call him a journalist? Why would you call him a journalist? Because we'll, 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 he called himself a journalist and other people of the era called him a journalist. Referred to him as such. Yes, okay, referred to him as such. But we'll talk about that as we get to know him. Yeah, so who is this guy? Well, Fox was an Irish Im immigrant who was born in Belfast, Ireland in 1846 and immigrated to the United States in 1874. He initially worked as a journalist and eventually acquired the financial struggling, the financially struggling National Police Gazette. Fox then revitalized the Gazette, turning it into one of the most popular and widely read pu publications of its time. He focused primarily on sensational content, including true crime, scandal, and sports coverage. Uh, in fact, um, what's interesting about this guy is how much he loved sports. 
Fox had a deep fascination with for boxing, which was often seen as kind of a disreputable sport at the era. Uh, he played a pivotal role, though, in popularizing the sport in the United States. He organized high-profile boxing matches, including the famed Bare Knuckle Championship bout between John L. Sullivan and Patty Ryan in 1882. The National Police Gazette became the main source of boxing news results in fighter profiles. Uh, he really like. Uh, so he just wrote this shit. Yeah, yeah. So he wrote a lot of like. So he is a journalist, right? right don't well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, the Gazette gained notoriety for its racy content, focus on crime, and illustrations some considered risque at the time. And many critics viewed Fox as a purveyor of lowbrow entertainment, and the Gazette attracted moral condemnation from some quarters. So, you know, like, this is, he's kind of got a salacious little magazine. Sex sells, crime sells. Like, even back then, true crime sold, like, was, like, very, very popular and, like, flying off the shelves. But that back then, what uh, what else was there to do? I guess you know what's kind of funny is like there's always this sort of like pushback from society against stuff like this. That's like, oh, this stuff is like trash. Like, why are you reading that that bullshit? Like, you guys are just writing like the lowest common denominator stuff. It's just so sure. stupid. You're so yep. you're so bad for it. And then they were vindicated by the trending tab on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> and like the front page of Reddit, like 100 bajillion percent. 100 bajillion. The moment the people could speak for what they wanted, they were like poop, farts, Always. cats. Murder. Under the safety of anonymity yeah. where they don't have to take any repercussions, can truly admit their deepest, most base desires. Yeah. Poop, fart, cats, murder, titties, food. Humans Yo, in a boom. nutshell. <laughs> yeah, none of that. Boom. None of that's unique. Yeah. No, not at all. And so when he bought the Gazette, he knew that he needed to begin catering to a new audience. He understood that the working class men of the era craved escapism and excitement. And so he shifted the Gazette's content accordingly. Salacious and scandalous crime uh, crime was like a big part. Uh, but the focus expanded to include lurid tales, racy illustrations, and gossip columns. This combination was a recipe for success with the target audience. And his love of boxing was central to this revamp. revamp. Uh, he covered fights uh, in dramatic detail and championed fighters and hyping up upcoming events. The, he was the very first, like, hype man. Fox is the reason sports are promoted and touted uh, spe specifically within martial arts and boxing and stuff the, the way they are to this day. He was huh. the first one to, like, pair them up, do interviews, hype up the fight coming during a time where they did not really like see boxing as like a real sport that anybody should care about. So this guy, this guy's kind of cool. He seems like he's pretty cool so far. Uh, yeah, this man was more influential on the American public than the public itself even knows. But that same mentality was also put forth for its news that it covered and gossip columns, obviously, along with it, with most of his sources being, and I quote, Oldsters from uh, oldsters from the mountain fastness of the Alleghenies, remote bayous and swamps of the south to the scattered prairie hamlets, lumber and mining camps, jerkwater railroad stops and desert way stations of the west. Those were this man found his sources for his news and his stories. All right. The time period this is all occurring also uh, is heavily re relevant to where we're going. See, at the time of him picking up the Bell Star story, uh, Star and Fox had been, or Fox rather, had been in a bit of a problem. 
most of the old bandit heroes and all the old villains of the West were either gone or dead by now. Sam Bass, Billy the Kid, and, and others. And Fox at this point was doing, is, is like losing his mind because he nor uh, his writers could come up with any more Western villains or hero stories to put out in his cheap dime magazine where he would basically be one of the crux reasons it would sell. A magazine, by the way, that was most commonly circulated at the time in bar rooms, brothels, gambling houses, billiard halls, tonsorial parlors, and livery stables. The idea of being in a brothel and being like, let me get my cowboy book is like <laughs> fucking hilarious to me. What weird creatures we are. Yeah, and, and how very little we've changed. Jesse, were you about to say something? No, I, I was trying to think of, at the time, where else would you, like, there's only so many places to go, right? Yeah. So there is right. no library. So if you're going to get a book, you're going to be like, I'm going to the brothel to it read. Just- it just has the vibe of like bringing a switch to a whorehouse. Sure. You know, I don't oh, know. Yeah. Like it just, it just seems, <laughs> yeah. it just yeah, seems like, like not as tight, like not that suave of a play. That's all. I don't it's know. The, it's the guys who go to the strip club to get the buffet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which sure. like have some self-respect guys, like go to a better strip, cru- <laughs> strip club. Probably. It's well, Fox News audience. And like you said, like, where else are they going to go? A lot of this time period is settling, you know, or colonizing land and taking it for themselves. And, Uh, building on it and they're working and you know they're all manual labor and they have little pop-up towns so like what is it else is going to be there other than a brothel a bar you know not going to read at the bar right yeah you're not gonna you have to go to the city for like you're probably like you know a new york times thing bars get rowdy you can't read there oh yeah trust me i played red dead i know it shits gets you know you throw punches like nothing after a little bit of time how about just in the grass no, that's where you get that's where you get yeah. attacked by rattlers, bro. Maybe the West is wilder than I thought. Maybe you had to hide in the brothel to even get get an, a peaceful read in. That's what I'm saying. Maybe that's like the main reason they would rent the rooms. Yeah, there was a lot of reading was going on. So much reading, dude. Maybe that's what it all was. It was Maybe the, that's oh, what we needed. Right, because reading was like looked down upon back then. Question: Should we open a bookstore called the Book Brothel? Oh yes, I'm just putting yeah. it out there. Yes, horny yeah. nerds, dude. They're like infinite only, money. only erotica is what we sell. There's literally a bookstore right up the block from me. I think it's still there. It's called the Ripped Bodice, and it is exactly this vibe. And I think you can even maybe drink there. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think you might be able to. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, what I, if we did I, this and we were the ones who made the money? We gotta expand. It's time for Chiluminati to expand beyond podcasting into brothel bookstores. Yeah, into uh prostitution. Yeah. That's what you do. Yeah, it's a good idea. But uh, yeah, back to the old West. The uh, this is a time period where most of like the bandits and, and the villains of the past are gone, and he's desperate for a story, some story somewhere. Uh, his magazine, being in all those areas, is no surprise that it was being consumed by a majority of the men in the U.S. at the time, and to be noted, not a not so insignificant portion of women as well, but notably much smaller in number than the men were consuming this. To these people. These stories that Fox published sort of formed a weird and strange structure of moral and ethics and honor. It affected politics at the time and, quote, had a more profound impact on our culture that the works of all other romantic writers of the periods did not. Like, no other books being written at the time uh, came close to influencing culture than Fox's 10 uh, dime piece magazines were. It was just. Do you think they're like why cowboys are the way they are today? I think, well, I mean, I think it definitely started here. 
because it was all fabricated stories in a lot of ways. Like the Billy, like the, the wild stuff. bunch. Yeah. Like those movies where the Cowboys just like blow each other away in like huge groups, like yeah. falling off balconies and shit. Yeah. I mean, That's there's some is. truth to that stuff. There's still some truth to like shootouts, but it wasn't like guns. Dudes were falling off balconies all the time. Back dudes, off of a dudes balcony. walking right up to the edge of the balcony. And then they click their heels together and they put their hands straight up in the air. And then they flip right over the front of the balcony and they go, <laughs> and then they land in the water trough. That's how it yeah. works. And a, and a gator is in the, in the water <laughs> like trough and chomp. it eats him. And, yeah. and for and some reason, there's just no blood anywhere. Yeah, no, no bullet holes, no blood, no nothing. No. Just guys stop. And then they get straight and then they spin a little bit in a circle and then they fall down. Those yeah. guys. Yeah. I love and those. all guns sound like. Pew, pew. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I like that one. That's my favorite gun sound effect in movies. The one that's like, like peon, peon. the one that's like, <laughs> Dude, you did that in sync with knocking your camera and just like, it was perfect sound effect for the effect that we got. It was yeah. very good. You know that sound. That's fantastic. You know the one. Um, yeah, uh, back, back. This is where I think a lot of that actually probably did start. Um, so with him desperate for a story, looking for anything, luckily for Fox at the time, a man by the name of Alton B. Myers was currently stuck in Fort Smith. A very old Western, old timey name. I love it. He has a tonic or two for sure available with his name on it. Oh, yeah, yeah I'm sure he definitely does. Uh, he was stuck in Fort Smith at the time, uh, which was, quote, a notorious uh, border town. With He was extremely hungry, had no food, and only had apparently, quote, unquote, exactly seven cents to his name at this moment. <laughs> Tell me this is like the invention of the fucking hamburger or some bullshit like that. <laughs> Not as cool, unfortunately. Tell me Bellstar like shoots a burger onto the grill and that's how the burger gets made. Bellstar burgers. Holy crap. Fast food chain. It would do super well in the South. Cowboy burgers. Cowboys and burgers go together. I don't know why, but they do. And if the year, if the year was, what year was this? We're in the 1880s, 1884-ish, 1885. Great. Um. He had $2.37 to his name, if we're going to put that in perspective. Yeah, fair enough. Keep that, because I have some other numbers, I think, coming up as well. So, cool. Would uh, that be enough at AI Wendy's for well, a cheeseburger? actually, here, how much was $600? Search pricing? I don't know. How much was yeah. $600 in 1850 uh, money? $23,724 today. Good Lord. That's how much money Belle's dad had when she was a kid. Like, that's how much money he had on him, basically, like, or how much wealth he had to him, plus the land he owned and shit. And you got to think about like how much it cost to do anything is. Oh, yeah, everything was cheap, extremely cheaper. That's why I'm like seven cents. I feel like Alton yeah. B. Myers is like, oh god, I'm so hungry. Seven cents could have got you something. You know what I mean? Yeah, something. But he, and that's what he, like where their story picks up is he's on the streets of Fort Smith looking to find a place where he can buy some food for seven cents because he's super hungry while still desperately also he works for newspapers and stuff looking for some sort of story. And while he's wandering around hungry, I feel I also picture him as like five foot nothing, like a five foot nothing, completely bald, like a little bit of Just a pot Bilbo belly. Baggins in a little in a little uh, in a little uh, derby, very hat. whiny, you know, like just like kind of just sad on himself. And as he was walking through the streets, he heard someone shout, "I'll be damned! They've gone kill Bell Star!" At this point in time, Myers took a moment. He knew he knew that name somewhere. But it only took a few seconds before the memory came back and he knew Bell Star, the supposed bandit queen. And with that, all in her, with all her criminal activities and rumors, he ran off to the nearest telegraph office. And within hours, he'd had a cash advance 
hotel room and a belly full of warm food thanks to the police gazette the, that that uh, fox owned and now with a belly and like feeling full and happy and warm he had to deliver on a story he told him about the story but now he had to deliver it and a few weeks later Myers mailed off his manuscript to the Gazette, and it read the following, which, Alex, you will read. Of all the women of the Cleopatra type since the days of the Egyptian queen herself, the universe has produced none more remarkable than Bella Starr, the bandit queen. Her character was a combination of the very worst as well as some of the very best traits of her sex. She was more amorous than Anthony's mistress, more relentless than Pharaoh's daughter and braver than Joan of Arc. Of her, it may be well said that Mother Nature was indulging in one of her rarest freaks when she produced such a novel specimen of womankind. Bella was not only well-educated, but gifted with uncommon musical and literary talents, which were almost thrown away through the bias of her nomadic and lawless disposition, which, early country, and under an assumed name, she brightened the social circle for a week or a month and then was perhaps lost forever. How do you think? What do you think? You sold? I? You sold? Would you buy that? That gets sent to you. Are you printing that? I just want to say for the record, the opening of all the women of the Cleopatra, Cleopatra type, type. Since <laughs> the days of the Egyptian queen herself, the universe has never produced anyone anyone more remarkable than bell star that is a that is a pitch if i've ever heard one for the coolest person ever yeah i love she's bella star now yep. like it's like a little bit more flourished up which is kind of interesting i love that he went and forgive me if i'm wrong about this right anthony's mistress that's cleopatra right yeah yes yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. pharaoh's daughter that's cleopatra right yeah it's all cleopatra Except for Joan of Arc. <laughs> Except he just ran out of stuff to say about Cleopatra and just said, braver than Joan of Arc. <laughs> he, just, he threw it in. He had to get another one in there. Yeah. You can already see from the newspaper uh, announcement to here how much has already been layered on to Bell Star's legend beyond even going into the exploits that they simply begin to make up in these things. I mean, this is not like factual language, right? No, like, none of this is real. I mean, not even real. I'm just saying like, you can't say somebody's the prettiest woman in the world as like a fact. You can't say I mean, she's, can. the, she's braver you than- You can say it. Yeah. But this, 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 it's, a, it's a subjective statement. Of like, course you it's subjective. Get, but I'm just saying but like- have Time Magazine's most handsome man of 2024 or whatever. And who says he's the most handsome man of 2024? Time, time Magazine? Whatever. Who, whoever. Life? Who, is, who does it? Yeah. <laughs> Life. Who, who, I don't know. I don't know. Don't read magazine. All I mean is, it seems like what they're doing, rather than even just making up lies at this point, is just kind of like creating like a like a fucking D and D character at this point. Like this is just we're talking about stuff that's like she was cool. She was like spicier than kimchi. Like you're just like, <laughs> what are you talking about? That's not a fact. That's just like a fun thing to say about anyone. You know, I don't know. That's that's the fun thing about it because it's like, is this journalism? I don't know. <laughs> It's important to know, too, though, from the newspaper clipping from the beginning, uh, the part where it says she was the most desperate woman that ever figured on the borders and all this other stuff. All that also was not true. All of that. She she did run her criminals and we're going to get to what she actually did and what her life was truly like. 
But the stories of her murdering people and running bank robberies and being basically a, the, the, the queen of all of the criminals in that circle, not true. Yeah, it just seems like this guy was a better writer than the guy at the other newspaper, is my mind. Oh, well, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, this got sent to Fox regardless, and this obviously was just too damn good for him to pass up. And so not only did he decide he would fully go on with for printing the story, but he decided it was even too good for his 10-cent gazette as an article to be read once and moved on from. So instead, that summer, he published a 25-cent paperback titled... <clears throat> And this is, of course, an 1800s title. Bella Star, the Bandit Queen, or the Female Jesse James. A full, a full and authentic history of the dashing female highwayman with copious extracts from her journal, handsomely and profusely illustrated. Bella Star, the Female Jesse Cox. <laughs> there is something going on here that I think is so... I, I don't want to pin this on the rest of the world, but it's very American in that... It fits that spot that it's a woman who is tough as nails and yeah. she's like out there banging dudes and shooting guys and getting crazy and doing all being gang things, right? All these things. But at the same time, but at the same time, it's being marketed as like, you'll never believe gentlemen, the crazy yep. things. And it's this thing where you understand immediately why she's popular because it's both. Wow, I can't believe this lady did these things. That's, oh, what a terrible woman. But at the same time, they're also like, God, I wish I was hanging out with that lady. It's almost also like a willing, you're almost like asking the audience, and the audience is like willingly suspending their disbelief. And we're like just willing to believe that life is more exciting by reading these like clearly bullshit things in a newspaper. Like, I don't know, like something about it. It feels like the vibe is that like, we're all having fun here, right? Like, it's just like, yeah, it, it is very much that. It's, right. But, but it's being pitched as, as outrageous, right? The way that yeah, Matthews right. is describing the book title of it. It's this idea that's like, gentlemen, can you believe this young lady? And then, but at the same time, what's in it is salacious and like meaty. And, and it's like, you just know there's nothing has changed. It's the, it's the exact same idea of like women need to be proper and sweet, but also when we're alone, I hope you're a nasty freak. Like that is, <laughs> it has not changed ever in media. It's just what it is. Yeah. There's just something about the idea of the, the, there's just something funny to me about the idea of like, okay, like for example, I could just buy a story about this, right? Like I could just go buy a completely fictional story at the bookstore about this. That's probably better even than this. But for some reason, the people who are buying it, right, they want, they know it's bullshit. They know it's just fake, but they want it. Do they? It's the same. At the time, do they? It's the same as like Love Island. Yeah, I think there's a part of them that might know it's like a little elaborated, but I truly think because these people are real and it's being sold in a way that's like, it's the thing that the, you know, you can't get anywhere else. The dirty, dirty news of the truth of how these people live. Yeah. You know, through these magazines, through tabloids, essentially. I do think they kind of believe that they're, this is kind of how they live their life. If it, if it, if they didn't, it wouldn't have been such a like huge thing back then. There were so many fucking bandits and criminals back then. Well, it's like John Bonet Ramsey and the tabloids, though, too. You know For what sure. I mean? Like at some point, the tabloids are like, alien is con uh, abduction conspiracy, John Bonet Ramsey? Like, you know, yeah, but like, you're also got to remind you got to remember, like, this is still kind of like printed media and stuff is not super old. Like, there's not a lot of like, this was the truth. This, we're still learning. This is the birth of this at that, that yeah. stuff. Like, we're in an That's era true. when that this is, doesn't exist yet. Uh, I sent you a picture as well, a link. It's the picture of the 
actual cover of what the book looked like uh, when you went have picked it up on the show. Oh, hell yeah. It's an illustrated picture. It's not a photo of her. That's all. That's an illustrated picture. Again, I mentioned last week, but I'll say it again. When you look online for her, the vast majority are not her. They're either actors or actresses or illustrations. The pictures of her that exist, she's just like a normal looking person. But everything yeah. created about, about her is dramatized or sexualized or a little over the top. Or like it's a lady in a like a fine eighteen hundreds dress with guns. And it's like she one hundred percent wouldn't have worn that to go rob people. Yeah. No. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's and that's a thing that happens with like every fun anybody who's done anything cool. We are just just dying to make them even cooler. Sure. Yeah. Like we're we're just like Davy Crockett or like Jesse James. Because if or- these people, normal people, can do these super cool things, that means maybe one day I can be the hero of my own story and do yeah. something. Sergeant similar. York, you know. Yeah. Uh, and you know what's funny too is like even today in like Red Dead Two, which I say today that game's like fucking five years old. No man, it's crazy. The the character in there, Black Bell or whatever her name is. Hmm? She looks like the one from the book, not the real one. Yes. Which is kind of interesting too. Like, it's not like we finally like got over this uh, image of Bellstar. No. And we're going to talk about why that's the case. Like we got a little bit more to learn here about like why this legend has persisted like this for so, so, so long. Um, but before we get to that, uh, lucky, luckily for Fox, this book fucking flew off of the shelves. Now in the title of the book, it says with copious extracts from her journal, This is very important because this is the linchpin to so much of why this continually persisted for a century or an and a half longer, really. Just straight up fake journal. Because there is no fucking journal. Yeah. There is no journal, but that gave Fox a complete blank slate to write anything he wanted about the crimes she did that she supposedly tracked meticulously for some reason in her journal, even the step-by-steps of like how the crime happened and all this shit. So he's literally just actually stealing her voice, even. He's literally. Like, completely yeah. stealing everything about her and making her somebody she was not. Thousands of copies flew off the shelves, which was crazy for back then. But alas, today, it is basically impossible to find a copy, never mind a fully intact copy alone. Um, it was reprinted in 1960 uh, with like kind of what it would have looked like and what the stuff was from uh, what they had from remaining copies. Um, but we don't actually have a, a, it's really hard to find an actual full copy of this book. We do have a, and no, we have an incomplete copy that's archived in the Texas state library, but there's also a near perfectly uh, uh, kept copy that does exist that unfortunately, instead of being in public display in a museum or something is in, or was in the private collection of former U S Senator William a Blakely. At least it was before he passed in my cursory research looking to see who has it or where it went, turned up fucking nothing. Um, Granted, it was not the focus of my research. I didn't spend a ton of time looking for it, but I couldn't find it. Uh, But it does exist out there. Like there is, it just sucks. It belongs to, you know, a private collection. Also, this just in real time, not to spoil the thing, but I, we talked about AI Wendy's a second ago. Oh yeah. Uh, they back down. It's over. We win. The war the is humans over. Win. It's the it. Humans win. AI is done. We defeated it. Yep. Wendy's will never return to that idea. Isn't that crazy? This is the most action-packed Illuminati of ever of all times. I can't wait for someone seven months from now to be like, I have no idea what they're talking about. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. It would be completely AI Wendy's guys. Look it up. It's going to be all over the history books. 
<laughs> the first war, the the first victory in the long in the long fought battle. Anyway, regardless, <laughs> this proved to be exactly what Fox was looking for, right? And it flew off the shelves. And just one year later, after the book released, the book appeared in another publication called Street and Smith of New York, published number thirty five. In the Secret Service series, a sensational paperback, Adventures and Exploits of the Younger Brothers, Missouri's Most Daring Outlaws, and Companions of the James Boys. <sighs> that book was part of a very popular series. You can almost think of it like an early top list. Her, The whole book is in that book? No, 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 no. So you can think of the book as like a list of um, like top tens list or top hundred list of like criminals and cool and like people who lived in these areas. Just like a neat and book about used, outlaws. And they used Fox's book as the source for where they got that information, which was, which popularized the book even further. Interesting. So now we're like taking it away from having to have a copy of that book to see how fake or true it is. You can just say, Oh, there's a book that says that in there. So it's true. Yeah. It yeah. was, it was a uh, 64 page chapter. If I remember correctly, I have to double down. I might be thinking of the other book that we're about to talk about. We'll get there. Um, but basically in this particular ch- uh, portion of this book, there were things that were told about Bell that were just so fucking in- in- inaccurate that I didn't even bother bringing him into last week's Legends episode. Just banana sandwich, like killed 10 men, like crazy nonsense that just did not remotely happen. But again, none of that mattered, right? Bell even went on to become internationally famous at this time as well, post-mortem. A man by the name of Victor Crosnier de Varigny, who was an Italian news correspondent in New York, whose work often ended up in Rome and Milan, had heard from an acquaintance who had heard from Fox all about Belle Star and her death. And instead of checking any of the sources, he took it all at face value and lifted a ton of stuff from both Fox's Gazette and other rumors before publishing a 344-page novel titled La Femme ou Italie, which would re- reprint here in the U.S. at an 1895 titled The Women of the United States. The Women of the United States, like a fucking wildlife book? Yeah, it's fucking exactly That's fucking that. Hilarious. I just want to say for the record, we are blessed that we exist in a time period where if someone tells you something, you can fucking You can just it look up. it up and call them on the spot. For the vast majority of history, even leading up until the early 2000s, if someone said shit to you, you had to just assume they knew what they were talking about or you had to know better. There was no, well, I think you're incorrect, sir. It's like, well, prove me wrong. Well, I can't. All right, then you're right. The person he heard it from was a doctor. Not that that really means anything at the time, especially, but I think he, that meant for him, it was like a little more. Yeah. Like surely this doctor is not full of shit. Yeah. But he was just the doctor. The doctor was just a fan of the book. He liked the book a lot and just told him about it. That's what I'm saying. Uh, let us be frank. Let us be frank though. We are certainly not implying that this has not happened on this very program uh, before, probably more than we even realize. And it happens. It happens so much that, like, it happens on the news constantly, and also on TV shows that have plenty of time to do their research. Sure. So you gotta always, you gotta always check. Everybody can be wrong. We always try, man. We try to do our like deep research, but you mess up every once in a while, right? Like, it's gonna happen. Everyone can be wrong. You can be wrong. Get ready. The book's title being "The Women of the United States" is just like so bizarre to me. Like you said, it's kind of like a wildlife really animal book of like. Like birds of the Northern American, like, you know, like Pacific Northwest. Wild. But because of that, her name spread beyond America in the, in 1895. 
Like as early as that, Bell Star was becoming known internationally, which might be why we have Bell Starmon uh, for in Digimon now, because like she was. I cannot believe that. It's nuts. Um, but here things compounded even further, continuing to spread more inaccuracies and lies that built into her story. A man named Samuel Hartman, a professional juryman in Judge Isaac C. Parker's federal court with a bit of legal and newspaper knowledge, wrote a 720-page book that he sold for $2 titled Hell on the Border. He Hanged 88 Men. <laughs> <laughs> Which is all about uh, the Judge Judge Parker and, and how he like supposedly hung 88 men through his courts and stuff. I- but there was a... 64 page chapter dedicated to Bell Star, her daring exploits, her run ins with Judge Parker, and her endless escapes from the law. He hanged 80 men. None of which of that shit was real at all. Why are all these books named? I hate to keep going back to the anime and, uh, you know, train, but like, I keep doing it. Why are all these books named like, like episodes of an anime, like, like that are translated or episodes of an anime? titled like historical texts i mean you'll find that most most books of a historical nature have to have some sort of subtitle they said but he hanged 88 men <laughs> yeah. yeah he hanged 88 yeah. men because that's a fucking that's wild how you get subtitle. to buy the book most people that's just not okay let's put it this way that's just not the convention of how things are normally subtitled that were originally written in english let's put it that way that's that's know. the observation that i'm making i feel like the the cadence of that comes from some kind of weird translation. I don't think that's actually what it is. It's just named really a weird thing. That's so funny to me. I love the long, unnecessary names with like ending with like handsome and profusely illustrated, like what the fuck? 356 over two or whatever. So yeah, her name is going beyond the US at this point. And it's already kind of spreading uh, through, you know, uh, other newspapers and other languages and whatnot. But this is like, this all goes right back to Fox's book. And the reason they take Fox's book, because it says it's based on her journals. And that's all anybody cared about. That was all it needed. And with this new book being published with a 64-page chapter dedicated to exploits that she never did, there was really no stopping the rumors and legends. They rolled on to the point where historians and scholars alike over the following decades took most of her dangerous but false-filled history as fact and did very little to try and dig up historical records, all because of the supposed journal that all of this came from, which, again, did not exist. Just completely fabricated and turned into Bellstar Adventures, Pikachu, that ketchup does not belong to you. So where does that leave us? That leaves us with the question of, like, well, then who was Bellstar? And again, thanks to the author Glenn Shirley, who dug up 1800s family records, newspapers, like uh, land ownerships and all this shit pieced together meticulously and painfully the reality of who Bell Star was. And what we know as fact is is what we're about to talk about for a bit. What is true is that her parents that we mentioned previous episode were in fact her her parents and that Shirley family and the Reeds were both moderately well off. They moved in uh, some social circles, and Bell was educated at a level that others were not privy to at the time. And um, but beyond that, we actually know pretty much nothing else about her childhood. 
We do know that they had to move due to the Civil War because their their land and house was taken by the Union, uh, and they were forced to move to Texas, uh, and they lived out there. But where were they from originally? Uh, Missouri. But there's no evidence that they moved and lived in a town where she mingled with outlaws all the time and grew up around bad people all the time. I, they did run into each other occasionally, but they weren't. She wasn't like hanging out and listening to their stories and stuff as often is told through different tellings of her history and her past. What we do know about Belle really begins in her teen years, around 15 or 16 years old. And we only say 15 or 16 because unlike what the rumors say, we don't know the exact year she was born. Anywhere between 1848 and 1850 is is where we think she was because Mm. at the point where we pick up her known history, she's about 16 according to some of the records and such. She was participating in the Civil War still, acting as a spy for her brothers who were in the Confederate Army. And she watched some different, uh, you know, Union encampments and such. And at one point almost got caught and was run out of the woods while she heard gunfire behind her. That stuff is real. She was so that's, actively engaged. That's pretty hard. Yeah. Which is pretty fucking wild. Like, that's really fucking insane. Sucks that it was for the fucking Confederacy, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it sucks that it was for that. But again, you know, uh, yeah. she is like, she still was a hardened individual at a younger age. Her brother died in the war. And after the war, uh, or during the war, rather, and uh, she that's when she met and married, much like we said last episode, a man by the name Jim Reed. Now, their relationship together, we know. They knew each other growing up in Missouri, which was true, and that the Shirley family and the Reeds were both, uh, the Reeds were also equally as like well off as the Shirley family was. Jim Reed did turn to outlaw activities, committing robberies and likely other crimes, but Bell's association with him at this point is way less clear than other stories make it out to be. Either she was somewhat a participant who maybe was like a getaway or had like kind of waiting on the ancillary. Um, or maybe she was potentially coerced into the crimes, but she was by far nowhere near an enthusiastic participant or the mastermind of Jim Reed's crimes. Bell and Jim married in 1866, and they had two kids, Pearl and Eddie, and their marriage placed Bell squarely, squarely back in the criminal world because it's true that, yes, Jim was doing criminal things. So the Reeds ended up being kind of fugitive, uh, living a fugitive-like existence, likely moving between Missouri and Texas as law enforcement would come after Jim. And this period would have been marked by constant worry and frequently relocation. But we don't really have any evidence that she was doing anything beyond moving with her criminal husband and maybe helping out occasionally. Uh, And in 1874, Jim Reed was killed in a shootout with law enforcement out in Texas, which left Bell a widow with her two young kids. Now, myths start to fill in a lot of the blanks, often painting Bell as a daring accomplice of Jim Reed, participating in robberies and sharing a thrilling outlaw lifestyle out of loyalty and love. But the reality was likely far less glamorous and more focused on just daily survival. Some stories suggest Bell was a driving force behind his activities, but these are very likely exaggerated and her outlaw connections, while true, she wasn't a major figure directing criminal operations at this stage of her life at all. Um, so, you know, what we talked about with her marriage in the in last week is kind of really different from that point on. Then she did get married and get to know the next husband, uh, Jim, uh, from Jim Reed out to, uh, uh, to the star, the star clan. I keep forgetting they call it clan and no one knows this. I'm sure nobody understands this and why it caused me to stumble. But if you've ever heard of a young adult book series called warrior cats, okay. And there's a clan of cats <laughs> called star clan. 
and it is permanently in my head, no matter how bad I don't want. And they're the clan of, of cats who have died and give wisdom and advice through dreams to the other clans that are That's pretty uh, coincidental considering the previous uh, set of episodes that we did. Well, I was going to say stupid, but you know, <laughs> Whatever. Well, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, like, basically, like, we're like really cool guys, right? You know? I thought, I thought too. That's how I felt when yeah. I was describing it. So after the death of Jim Reed, Bell moved into <laughs> Indian Territory, now modern day Oklahoma, <laughs> and she eventually married <laughs> Sam Starr. Now, some of the stories that were written about uh, Bell claim that Starr was her maiden name, and it's just not. She didn't marry Sam until her second, as a second husband, and we know who her parents were. So she eventually married Sam Starr who was also heavily involved in criminal activities. And the Starr family had a reputation for the crime that they were involved in. Uh, living on their land provided Bell with connections, kind of a degree of protection within the criminal community, and, and some involvement in a world of outlaws. Bell likely participated in some of the Starr family activities. The primary crimes, though, were horse theft, harboring fugitives, and potentially involvement in bootlegging and other less documented illegal like trades. There wasn't a Dallas bank robbery or a wagon robbery or any of that stuff. In fact, Bell only got caught one time and it was because she stole a horse. She'd never been arrested after that or before that. She never had run-ins with the law at any point after that, but she did marry people who had a fuck ton of enemies. And I imagine that may have played into why she was shot. Uh, at the end of her life, because that part is also true. She did get shot, jumped by somebody while she was alone and killed and left to die. But back to her with Star, Bell, uh, beyond likely participating in those little things, her connections to crime didn't fully shield her from the law. And like I said, in 1883, both she and Sam were arrest- arrested and convicted of horse theft, serving prison time for their crimes. The one and only time Bell was arrested for anything criminal in her life at all. And in 1886, Sam was, in fact, killed in a gunfight with a deputy marshal, once again, leaving Bell a widow. Was was it by her side? Uh, no, it shouldn't. It, as far as I've been able, what I read, no, she wasn't actually by his side because she wasn't actually involved in the crime. Like, she wasn't there. While her association with the stars and reputation for crime existed, Bell was no mastermind of a large-scale outlaw operation. The Bandit Queen title was largely a creation of newspapers, especially the National Police Gazette, and tales sometimes depict Bell as a cruel and cold-blooded leader. While she likely participated in criminal activities, she probably wasn't the dominant force some stories claim. And legends sometimes paint a picture of loyalty and devotion to Sam Starr. However, their relationship was most likely a marriage of convenience within the criminal world that they both occupied far one from where they're like dynamite robbery chemistry together and love of danger and loyalty. And just, it was just convenient and it kept her safe. And uh, especially cause she was already in the criminal life at that point. And she did marry the younger brothers after uh, the younger brother, after his or her life with a uh, star ended with his death. But we know even less about her life with younger before she was eventually uh, ambushed, shot and killed on the road. For reason, we don't know. But the life of Bell Star in reality was relatively low-key. One that was not probably an enjoyable one when she was married to the criminals having to move 
over and over again, thinking about survival as opposed to settling down. And there was no giant camp where all these bandit big names would come and hang out and tell their stories where she would harbor them as long as they needed. Until they Are these leave. like tropes from Bellstar? I don't know if they're, I don't know. I don't think they're from Bellstar because Bellstar popped up at a time where Billy the Kid and all those people already came and went. So, but the, but the, I never hear Billy the Kid like at the like big thief gang hideout. You know what I mean? No, but there's a lot of bizarre stories with Billy the Kid are very supernatural, superhero esque. That's true. He does become like a superhero. Yeah, That's he's true. very. He killed maybe two people, potentially three, but his legends pin him at like ten. We'll do Billy the Kid one. And day. I, I think having her force gump her way through all that makes her legend better. You know? Yeah. yeah. I agree. She's just like an MCU character in the old West cinematic universe. Yeah. She, one of the biggest issues she ended up having is after uh, star's death, the land that she was on, um, St- Sam star was a native American uh, who was a, a criminal. And so when she married him, she was allowed on native American land and like able to live there and among the, the people. But when he died and his land was passed along, she was no longer technically like uh connected to the native americans anymore it was only by marriage and so they wanted her out there was police forces on the outside looking for her and she also had uh people just like you know typical criminal rivalries that she was worried about that was like her biggest concern was like i need to figure out how to stay here or whatever and work my way through and she married the younger brother and you know which kept her safe because he was a criminal for her and uh then she ended up dying shortly thereafter but other than that and the horse thievery, she might have been involved in some robberies. And yeah, she definitely ran with in in terms of like with who she married, Jesse James and all them. She was among them. She mingled with them in an old later in her life, but they were not like looking to her as this amazing genius crime lord that led them to victory over and over and over again. And that, boys, is part two and the final part. Of the legend of Bell Star, the reality of who it was, and an interesting again tale that I had to trace all the way like through this book and and through the articles that he uses as amazing reference. Again, if you want to read it, it's a thick ass. This is such a good book. It's like three hundred pages of him just breaking down things. Yeah, thank you, sir, for humanizing this character. Really cool. That was like a fun way of that was a fun way of framing up that story. I like that. Uh, it's just a, it's a I think who she was in reality is way more interesting. Uh, than the the weird like mythical figure she was, but the crazy the crazy character kind of makes the real character interesting too. You know, exactly. it's kind of interesting because how how totally different that is. Yeah, exactly. It's cool. Well, thank you, boys, and thank you, everybody out there in Listener World, for joining us on this two part journey in Bell Star. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. But we're off to Patreon.com slash Illuminati Pod right now to go do our mini sode where we're going to talk about some weird Wendy's AI, I think, and some other things. Thank you guys so much. We love you. Goodbye. Incredible. Bye. Bye. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Illuminati Podcast. Always, I'm one of your hosts, Mike Martin, joined by the. I don't know who they are. There's two. One. Terrence Hill and Bud Spencer. No. Neo and Trinity. No. I don't understand, and I probably never will. Let me just tell you right now that there's two. Leon Kennedy and Claire Redfield. I'm telling you, I think he literally just looked up famous duos. Cheech and Chong. And it's just been going through the list ever since. I'm trying to...
dig deep. Which one of you is uh, Dick Powell? Me? Your name's Jesse Cox. <laughs> Podcast. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Mike Martin, joined by Alex and Jesse. Like a shooting star across the sky that's actually a UFO.